This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is Leadership in Action. Here we go. And now the roller coaster has inched forward and we're leaving the gatehouse and we're going to go off on this crazy adventure. I'm excited. Uh, man, so much to talk about here today. My guest, he is a thought leader. He's at the forefront of supply chain advancements. He's experienced in warehousing, distribution, transportation, fulfillment. He's got decades of experience in operational excellence, served as the president of the Council of Supply Chain Management, as well as the COO of Barrett Distribution Centers, Tim Barrett. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Casey. Happy to be here. Man, I'm excited. De- decades, too. decades of experience means I'm old, though. I don't know if I like that, uh, that part of the it intro. Does, it does mean you're old, but you don't look old. You look younger than I do. What's your secret? Well, thank to you. Skincare? Thank you. Is that what we're talking about today? That... <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, hey, I wanted to pass this right over to you because I know you heard the episode with with Ted, um, and uh, and you had kind of a, a different approach to that. So I want to go ahead and ask you our, our leading question, which is, what is a common misconception about leadership, running a business, or being an entrepreneur? Yeah. So the myth I'm going to smash today is that the customer always comes first. So uh, I know you just did a. a a podcast with Ted Palacios and a good friend of mine. And he is uh, super enthusiastic about, um, about customer or the customer experience and customer service and uh, totally agree with a lot of what he has to say, but, uh, but I have a different, different perspective on it. All right. So, so Ted's completely full of shit is what we're saying. Is that what we're saying? No, we're not saying that. Um, so what, what's your new take? So my take is that, um, you know, we think that to effectively take care of the customers, it all needs to start with the employees. Got so, it. so we don't, we really don't think that, uh, you know, across 20 facilities and 2000 employees that if we put the customer first, that we are actually, you know, we feel like we're doing a disservice to the customer by doing that. So we, we start with the employees and I'll, uh, I can walk you through our, our wild pyramid of, uh, of how we go about doing that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Okay, so you not only do you feel this way, but you have your own, you have a wow pyramid. We do. We have a, this me, how, what is this thing? So, so this is how this is really uh, what our culture is all about and how we run the business. So, oh, wow. um, so I just literally not, I just said, oh wow, and then I guess that's <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's what we're hoping for. So we uh, we start the base of our pyramid is uh, it starts with wowing our employees. And, uh, and we really feel like when we effectively do that, they, wow, they in turn will wow the customers. So if you think about the base of the pyramid, the employees, the middle of that pyramid are, are the customers and, and the employees, when we take care of the employees, they wow the customer. And when we wow the customer, the customer will take care of us, uh, you know, through long-term relationships and, and take care of us financially and make sure that, you know, we're paid appropriately for for the value we deliver to them. And the great thing about our company is that that wild pyramid goes full circle and that the, the, uh, the, the money or the revenue or the, the reward that we get from the customers is shared back with every employee and on a quarterly basis and keeps them motivated, keeps them going and, and um, continues to wow them. And then they continue to wow the customers and that circle continues. I like this because it gives you a singular focus. You're saying, yes, there's many different things, plates we could keep spinning, but the one that you really want to make sure is spinning is taking care of your team. And then from there, 
almost now is it automatic? Do you have to do anything to help your team take care of your customer, or is it just really just take care of them and they're gonna they're <laughs> gonna do what they need to do? Yeah, so it's not you know it's certainly not automatic, uh, but you know the things that we do are we you know we take certainly focus on taking roadblocks out of their way, right? So um, making their job um, you know better and easier, and you know, and that really boils down to being more efficient, being more uh, accurate in what we do, being more productive in what we do. Um, we, you know, we, we go through all kinds of changes all the time as we grow, but um, implementing new technologies to make their, their job better and easier. Uh, we, we, we use robots in many of our facilities to, uh, to work with the pickers alongside the pickers to um, make that job easier and, and, and more fulfilling for the, uh, for that hourly employee. Um, do do yeah we do do a lot of different things but the biggest thing frankly is that we're op we're an open book company so okay. we uh we spend a lot of time educating our employees on not what we call the business of the business right so they you know we they need to know how to do their job and know how to pick an order effectively and accurately and know how to use the robot or use an rf gun or use uh different reporting in in our systems and things like that but we also want them to understand how we make money and you know and what drives the business and in what we need to do to be successful so we spend a lot of time uh working with them on educating them about the business the financial statements of the business uh both the you know the income statement and the balance sheet um we we share openly with them how we're doing and um and they know on a weekly basis what their projected gain share is and and we do focus on that being a gain share and not a bonus right we want to we focus on the concept that they earn that uh that gain share that it's not it's not a bonus it's not something that's given to them they by through their contributions they earn it and they they drive it up and forward and um and and can and their work um is what impacts that that gain share and what impacts their ability to make more money so they're really invested at that point. So not only are they, so it sounds like this, one of the, the key ingredients is it's, it, you have the open books. They know that their contribution has tangible rewards coming and not just far off in the future, but is it quarterly? Quarterly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so an average hourly employee for us over the last four or five years has gotten a, a annual bonus of about $3,500, which is, wow. you know, which is a very meaningful number for, for, um, that can be for, like a month, people. an extra two weeks or an extra month. It's, yeah, it's about yeah. 10%. Yeah, you know, it could be, could yeah. be about 10% of pay. Yep. That's amazing. Okay, so yeah. we've, got, we've got bonuses, we've got open books, taking out roadblocks. Anything else that you recommend that really goes into wowing your employees? Um, well, we're, so we are, uh, we're, we, we certainly are advocates of and believe in the servant leadership model. Well, tell me about that. Cause I think yeah. we, a lot of times we talk about that, but what, what does that actually mean to be a servant leader? Um, you know, for, for us, it's being, you know, it's being humble. It's admitting mistakes. It's uh, it's being, you know, being, being open and being, um, being available. Um, it is, um, you know, making sure that we're doing things to take care of our employees. I, uh, I, we run uh, at least once a month. We do a, a roundtable with um, with 
employees from all over the company uh, and either my brother or I do it. And we, you know, we generally have 15 or 20 people on there and we get to know them, just spend an hour getting to know each employee and, and, and it's an opportunity for them to, to share and um, certainly bring up things that are obstacles in their, in doing their job effectively and, and gives us a better insight on, on what's going on in, in, in their world and taking care of um, our customers. So, you know, I, I don't know if I could, tell you specifically what we do other than um, what I just shared about, you know, oh, yeah. being, being humble and, and, and being open and, and being available. Um, but those round tables are uh, incredibly as good as they are for the employees are incredibly motivating for me because yeah. um, what people share and um, how grateful they are to be working at Barrett is uh, just keeps me motivated. It's uh, it, it's a, it's very, very moving and, and, and it's great to, be part of that. Um, and that's one of my mantras or my goals in life is I, I've been writing this down every month for uh, almost 20 years uh, that, you know, I thought back then, you know, geez, what am I doing with my life? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. I'm not solving cancer. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, but I, I, I kind of boiled it down to, well, you know, in my, my small way, I can have an enormous impact on the people that work for me. So I, set out this mantra to, um, to positively impact 10,000 lives. And the 10,000 lives was a bit of a BHAG in the sense that, you know, if I continue to grow the company and get up to 10,000 employees, then they're better off working at Barrett and better off, you know, for having come here than they were previously. And that's how I'm going to make a difference in the world. And so, um, uh, I'm 20% of the way there. I get about, we have about 2000 employees today. So wow. when I wrote that down, we probably had 15 or 20 employees. Really? Wow. You yeah. wrote it down at, at 15 or 20 and now yeah. it's. Yeah. But I, I have to, I have to confess. I originally wrote down a thousand lives. <laughs> then I had to modify it. So like, oh, oh crap, I'm getting close to that. <laughs> I mean, what happens when you meet, you meet that purpose, right? <laughs> right. Right. So it was easy. Just change the number. Just change the number. Yeah. Just add, add a couple to it. Um, wow. But you gotta, you gotta think too, that, I mean, any of those 2,500 have families, mm -hmm. you know, and in, plus your customers and their families and yeah, you, you're probably yeah. already well over. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Bigger number than that. But then I, I yeah. like that you're at least you're focusing on, well, I know I can calculate this number, so I'm going to focus yeah. there, but you're right. I mean, the, the ripple effect, even if you're not in the Peace Corps or you're, your company yeah. isn't doing that that frontline direct thing. You you can play a, a role in someone's life. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. We we promoted, uh, you know, not to, I'm not trying to toot our own horn here, but you know, we promote over 150 people every year, and that that's that's just you know that's not um, you know someone going from an hourly employee to a general manager, but it could be an hourly employee to a lead, a lead to a supervisor. Um, you know, but collectively, you know, I mean, obviously some of those people do end up going into management. We have people that started with us as a temporary employee mm. doing, you know, preparing a product for retail, you know, by price ticketing products. And, um, they are now running a building, you know, we have, we have two or three examples of that. So, you know, those are things we're pretty proud of. It, it makes, you know, that's what makes getting up in the morning worthwhile. It's very worthwhile. Tell me about that. Tell me about the recipe where you take someone who, I mean, they, did they come in like sort of entry level, they're, they're picking or something. And then how, how do you help them transform to be one of the 150, the ones that get promoted, the ones that eventually run mm -hmm. a building? Yeah. I, you know, I, I think we, um, we provide 
the uh, the training and we provide the opportunity, but it's really them. I mean, it, it yeah. all them. You know, it's so it's frankly in many cases it's someone that never had an opportunity, right? So they 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 probably always had the capability, but just never were in the right circumstance or had the right opportunity or had someone that believed in them. Um, some cases it's it's a language barrier. So yeah. you see somebody that has an enormous amount of capability, really gets it, knows what they're doing, but doesn't speak any English. And so we've we've sent people to English as a second language classes. So one of the folks they run a they run a runs he runs one of our facilities in Massachusetts. And um, when he first came to us, you know we were really small. Uh, I was frankly his direct supervisor, working with him out on the floor. He came as a temp, and didn't really didn't speak any English and he could, but he, but he had ideas and he would point, literally point out things to me and try to sh you know, show me, uh, you know, visually out on the floor by pointing at things and, and trying to explain to me like an idea he had to make a process better. And I was like, wow, like this guy's, this guy's really got it. Like he really knows what he's doing. And yeah, so, even without yeah. the language, he, he was, yeah. he was, you could pick up on that, that intelligence that he was yeah. seeing a situation and saying, this could be better. Not just accepting yeah. that, it, well, it's inefficient. So be it. He was like, no, right. this right. is inefficient and we could make it better. Yeah. It's like ownership, right? I mean, he was literally yeah. Yeah. ownership or something of that stepping up yeah. to the plate. That's in that magic when you see that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Size. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's great. You know, well, I, that, that's, that's what I love about what we do. You know, we, mm -hmm. we have a, we have a, not, we have a great opportunity to, impact um a, a lot of people that um, that have not probably ever gotten a fair shake right especially if they can't even speak the language at the start but then here yeah. they are eventually running a building and a team and then they can inspire an uncountable number of people with their mm -hmm. actions yeah absolutely yeah so who knows what that ten thousand ends up translating into <laughs> you know yeah yeah uh Huge. Well, you mentioned robots, and I can't let you I can't let you go on without telling. <laughs> tell me about robots. You have robots helping you in your distribution centers. Yeah. So we we refer to them as cobots. So they work with the picker. So if you if you think about, it, I guess the easiest way to explain it is that um, if you you could have a a, a customer that has five thousand different items, right? So that pick line could go for aisles. Yeah. It right? could be could be ten aisles in a facility, and so by by working with the cobot, each each worker um, is responsible for his own. So that might be an aisle, it might be part of an aisle, but they stay in a defined area. And the robot comes to a location and says, you know, basically saying, "I have, you know, I need something out of this location." The picker walks, you know, five steps to that location, picks the item, scans it and puts it into the bin, that robot then moves on, then the picker may follow that robot to the next spot if it's within their zone and, and then pick, a, you know, fulfill another item into that same robot. Or that robot may go off to another zone and then there's another, you know, a, a second robot now is in, the, in your zone waiting, for, waiting to be fulfilled and you fulfill. Wow. So you stay in a, a small area and the robots are doing all the travel. Wow. So. So that you, uh, you know, and you think about the big travel is, you know, obviously within that pick mod uh, walking aisles, but it's also then bringing that in the old model, right? Bringing that product now that you've picked back to a packing station or a shipping area. And then 
getting a new a new cart or a new tote right and walking back to the pick mod and starting again right and so right. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of process that um goes away and, and frankly it makes and it makes the job easier and better like it, it's a it's much more intuitive than picking with an rf gun an rf gun um it, you know i'm getting a little bit technical here but no, an no, RF go for gun it. is the is the typical way that people pick and an rf gun is not it's not like windows, you know, it's not, it's not as intuitive as you think it is. There, there are, there are functions in the gun you have to, and there's a learning process. You know, the best example I can give you is with the robot. When we first put the robots in, my daughter was um, probably seven or eight years old. And we, we, I went in there on a Saturday, she came in with me and, and I showed her, you know, the robot, she was able to actually pick with the robot without any training. Like it was, it was just intuitive and she knew what, you know, she knew what to do. Um, so that, that doesn't happen with a, with a, the conventional methodology. People need to understand how to use the gun. They need to understand the location sequencing. And so when the RF gun says to go to location one, like you have to kind of understand where, okay, what does that mean? Where is that? You know, even when you get within a defined area, you, you're, you're got to figure out where, where is it on the shelf? Like which level is it at? And so on. So it's um the robot it much more succinctly um, displays it. The human gets it off the shelf, but then gives it to the robot. Correct. And that's better than having a human just run around. Yes. Grabbing, yep, exactly. Scanning. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So having a cobot working together versus just having a human just run around. I could see, and also not just run around the whole place, but you have a specific area you're staying in and the yeah. robots may or may not. And so you're not, you're, you're reducing the amount of travel that everyone has to make. Correct. Yeah. 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 Yep. And it's hands-free too, right? Like with, with a, with a wrist scanner or, or ARF gun, right? You've got things that, you know, either strapped to your wrist or, or, yeah. or that you have to hold and this is, you're totally hands-free. You just, you know, it's an iPad essentially on the robot that you're just right. looking at. And it's telling you what to do. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, you must just dive so much into process uh, to be able to just optimize this thing. Actually, before I get to process, you mentioned the iPad. What kind of training do you do for the, the new team that come in? Because they have to learn all this tech, right? So you know, they may be learning a language at the same time they're learning this, these apps. How do you teach these frontline workers to use these apps? Yeah, so uh, as I just said, it's actually quite a bit easier to uh, to learn and to get up to speed with the app than it was with the old old technology. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, the other thing, the other thing that's interesting is that the robots will um, will work in uh, multiple languages. So as you approach a robot or a robot approaches you, it's reading your um, your badge. Really? And it will, yeah, and then it will it will display in in your language. No way. Yeah. So it'll. So that is if, slick, yeah, man. That is really yeah. cool. Yeah. Sometimes these are the small details that maybe you take for granted, but like when I hear that, I think that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah. 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 That's that's been that's been really helpful. Yeah. 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 You know, now it scans you. How does it Yeah, so it's it's yeah, it's just an RFID tag, right? So it it when you're in the vicinity of the robot, it picks up your tag and then it it knows that you you want Spanish or whatever language you want. So when it, when it scans your tag, does it know to bend the knee and, you know, <laughs> and, and that's not how king. I run the, that's not how I run the business, man. I already, I already explained that. I know. <laughs> She'll at least play a little, little tune. Maybe some trumpets start blaring. Yeah. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. King. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So 
so on the on the training that makes sense but how about on the process side uh yeah especially having spent so much time in the operational executive seat uh where do you have a certain framework that you think about when it comes to process you constantly making it better um how do you wrap your head around you know large and small processes yeah so that's um, that is one of the things that, you know, I, I guess in terms of my focus is that, you know, a lot of times people feel like the leader, you know, should not get into the details or, you know, needs to be more visionary. And, you know, I, I really think, and especially in our business, you know, where, where, where real change happens and where you can have an impact is in the details. And, and that's very different than micromanaging. Um, you know, it's not, it's not micromanaging, but it's, it's understanding the details and spending time out on the floor and, and, and really understanding things that, uh, that get in the way or that could be better or that need to be changed. We, we are constantly changing. We have a whole team that we call our business process optimization team that, that focuses in on, so that's a, you know, a group of engineers, but it's also people that with an IT background and, um, operations background and process, um, some, some people that have come from customer service. So it's a whole group of people that, that work together to dive deep into, uh, into an operation or an existing account and um, figure out a better way to do it. So that, that could just be that we feel like there's room for improvement or a lot of times it's just driven by growth. We have, we have a lot of customers that have grown um, very fast with us. And so as they grow, we need to update or revise, you know, the way that we're handling the business. Okay. Uh, and I bet you that team too is also walking, walking the, the aisles too, right? They're, they're not just doing, they're not just optimizing from an office. They're on the floor as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. They're out in the facilities and, and, uh, and, and really seeing what's going on. Yeah. So you, my next question was, a little bit of a little bit of an aside, uh, just, you know, as as a leader, as an owner, uh, oftentimes it can be kind of isolating. Um, you know, they say, you know, lonely at the top kind of thing. Do you have any communities or resources or or groups that you look to to stay connected? Yeah. So uh, so big one for me is is EO. Um, okay. You know, I'm in I'm actually in two forums through EO. Uh, nice. So I'm in a. Uh, a local forum that I've been since in since I joined EO. So I've been in that forum for about 14 years. And then about eight years ago, I joined what was referred to at the time as a quantum leap forum. It was for larger businesses. So that's more of a regional group. So I've got um, seven or eight people in that forum that are um, from different cities across the Eastern US, essentially, um, that all have larger businesses. So I get a lot out of both forums, um, so I, probably slightly different things out of, out of each one. Uh, but it's a huge, uh, huge part of the value I get out of EO is, is, is my forum experience. And, um, the, you know, the forums are all about, um, you know, just sharing experiences and, um, and, and helping people, um, both, you know, you, you know, you talk about being lonely at the top, it's, it's not, you know, it's not just business. So, you know, EO um, really gets into, um, you know, thinking about and sharing experiences around, you know, things that are troubling for you personally, family, business. So it's, it's all aspects of life. And it's a place that, um, you know, you really don't get an opportunity to, to share those kinds of things um, in, uh, in, a, in, in other environments. So 
I, uh, you know, I, I'm fortunate, you know, you talk about lonely at the top. So one of the things that I am really fortunate in is that I've got my brother in the business with me and, oh, nice. um, and, you know, having, um, a real, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a brother or a sister or a sibling, but, um, I think just having a trusted partner, someone that, that you, um, you, you just, you know, you, you, there's nothing that gets in the way that you just, you, in, you know, instinctively trust in, in, in every aspect of what you're doing and trying to build the business and grow the business and problems that you're having with the business. Um, you know, having a, a, some kind of a trusted, um, partner, I think has been incredibly valuable to me as well. Like, so that, so that, um, you know, it's not quite as lonely at the top because at least I've got, I've got him to, uh, commiserate with when I need yeah. to. <laughs> how how do you blend family? Because I know there's a lot of folks that that do have family in the business with them. Are there any particular rules or agreements that you have, just even uns or unspoken, but just so that you don't let the bad stuff in, but also you don't let the the work affect the the family. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I, it just does. I don't know. No, I don't think it does. You know, we um we've done we don't have any rule, but we've done a really really good job of not talking about business outside of work oh, okay um yeah we 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 just never do so um um and maybe a bit to a fault sometimes you know my my kids are getting older i've got a, a son that's a sophomore in college and a senior in high school and a, and a younger daughter and um i have started to talk to them more about about business and about you know their their career path and what they want to do and i i do feel like um you know to some degree i probably went a little bit to the extreme of, I don't want to, you know, talk about business with my kids or my family yeah. or, you know, so, um, now I'm starting to realize I, I, you know, I think it's valuable for me to do that and just to share my experiences and try to help them, um, you know, learn from me and, um, help them figure out what they might want to do in life. So, you know, yeah, especially whether they want to go into it or not. I mean, have you, have you thought about that? Like, are you, does one of them need to take on the business or? You know, pass uh, no, it down generation yeah. to generation. Yeah, not not necessarily. You know, I I uh, I think I, I feel like I have a lot of time to go. So uh, yeah, um, but, yeah. Uh, uh, and I don't. I I yeah. So same kind of philosophy. I purposely, you know, I do not want them to feel um, any commitment or any um, you know any um, pressure to to go into the business. So I right. just, I want them to go off and do their own thing and that's smart. Um, you know, I, I, and that's what I did. You know, I didn't I didn't go into the business right away. I I worked um for a consulting firm for four years and I went to business school and then I went back into the business. So I and through all of that I never really thought I was going to go into the business. It wasn't until my second year in um, business school that I started to come around to thinking that I would go join my brother and you know make a run at this. Got it. So yeah, let's get into that now. I'd love to know, like, who are you? Take me back in time. Uh, even before <laughs> that particular part where you're starting to think about going to business, growing up, you grew up in a family that was running businesses, right? Or running mm -hmm. this business. Yeah. What was it like as a kid? And and did your did your parents kind of keep you out so you didn't have to think about or, or were you like in the business from four? What was it like growing up you? Yeah. So I, I guess that whole idea of not talking about the business at home, I probably learned from my dad. So he never did talk about it at work, uh, talk about work at home. Um, but I did grow up in the business. I mean, I, you know, I started working literally sweeping floors, you know, that was, you know, that was, uh, that was my first role. And, um, when, you know, and I started 
when I was uh, probably, you know, 14 or 15 years old, you know, going in and working in the summers and vacations and, um, and, you know, so learn really truly learned from the ground up and, and started in the most, you know, menial of menial jobs, you know, it, it was, uh, I, I did, uh, I, I did, you know, I probably had every handled every function in the business as I grew up and, and worked in it all through high school and college. Wow. So you really got a chance to, to learn. I mean, did you ever think you were going to, like, even as a kid, what did you want to be? Were you going to be an astronaut? Did you know you are going to be running a business? Uh... Uh, well, so, yeah, I guess, you know, not, I probably, my desire probably always was to be an athlete, but I, you know, I yeah. was certainly, oh, yeah? certainly light years away from being able to do that. Uh, but, I, you know, that was my aspiration. But um, I never, um, you know, I guess I thought when I was younger, I think I did think about going into the business, uh, you know, probably through high school. Uh, once I was in college, I never really gave it much thought. Um, I, I was, uh, I was an accounting major. And so my, you know, my focus was to go work for one of the, uh, one of the firms and that's what I ended up doing. And, um, sort of was on that career path and, um, was thinking, you know, more about a, um, accounting or, uh, you know, finance, um, career. And what did you go to school for? Uh, for so undergrad, I I went to Holy Cross. And I was an accounting major, and then um, accounting. Yeah, did, yeah. Did you just know right away from an early age that the numbers thing was pretty groovy, and maybe not so much uh, English, and you just wanted to do it, or was it just kind of a? Yeah, and um, it was. In, it, I again, I you know, a lot of things in my life, I just fell into. Um, yeah. I never, I didn't go there thinking about being an accounting major and I, I wasn't my freshman year, but I, okay, gotcha. I took, you know, I, I think I, you know, I took an accounting class either freshman year or sophomore year. And, um, it was, you know, I don't want to say it was easy, but it was, um, it was intuitive. I would use the word intuitive. Yeah, it was very intuitive to me. And, and I, and I just, you know, I, it just struck a chord. I was like, you know, I just felt like hmm, this is something that, I'm pretty good at. And, um, uh, and I, you know, I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if anybody ever likes accounting, but I just <laughs> felt like it was, um, you know, it, it was something that I, I got, it was, you know, I, I actually kind of understood the creative side of it and the analytical side of it. And the, and, um, it just, it was, a, it was appealing, I guess, but, uh, I wouldn't say I loved it, but it was appealing and it was a, um, you know, a path that I, I looked at and I thought, boy, you know, taking a job with one of the big the time big eight firms, you know, big four firms was, um, you know, a great way to start a career. And, oh, um, yeah. you know, and just, you know, I think it, I, I learned a lot there. I probably learned in the four years I was at, I worked at Pricewaterhouse, um, you know, the four years I was there, I probably learned as much as I did in my MBA program. And, and, uh, I think it I set bet. me up really well for, for success. I bet, man, it's crazy. And then, yeah. And I think all, you know, all throughout this, you know, the, the family business was going on. So you mentioned in business school, second year or so, you're starting to get thoughts that, hey, maybe I want, want to do this. Had anyone asked you and maybe it was the door was always open or what was it like to sort of evaluate, hey, maybe I do want to take on this family business? Yeah. Um, yeah. My, so I mentioned earlier, you know, my brother and I have always had a great relationship. Um, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we were, uh, we were very much rivals growing up. You know, we, we played all the, you know, played all the same sports. We, you know, we played, 
one-on-one basketball in the driveway, you know, every day and usually got in a fight. And then, you know, <laughs> one of us would go inside and get something to eat and come back out. And then we'd, we'd start playing again, you know, <laughs> so, right. you know, but, uh, you know, so we've always had a good, good rapport, good relationship. Um, definitely a, a lot of the same interests. And, um, so it was always, um, open, I think, you know, I think it, it was not, um, you know, he was, he was in the business, uh, prior to me. And, gotcha. um, I think it was something that, um, you know, we just sort of worked out. Like I, you know, I said, Hey, like, you know, why don't I come So my, the initial thought was I was going to take, I took some, um, kind of part-time consulting gigs in Boston and was doing it part-time with him. And then, and, and pretty, I mean, very, very quickly became all consuming and, um, yeah. You know, and I was it was really driven to uh, to try to grow the business and and drive it forward. And um, and frankly, frankly, really, those consulting things that I had lined up, I ended up not even ended up doing because I I was just full time into the business very quickly. It it ramped fast, and then I um, was focused on growing it and getting new customers. And then as we got new customers, we had to hire people and get equipment and add buildings. And so it'd be, you know, very quickly became a a pretty all consuming uh, job for the two of us. And then, then you hop on the train and now it's years later and you've just been growing this thing leaps and bounds. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Very consistently. Have a hypothetical question for you. Yeah. Uh, I may or may not have a time machine up here in New Hampshire. Where I'm, where I'm at and let's say you come visit come hang out we'll get some lobster get some beer and then uh we'll go use the time machine right it's in the backyard covered in a tarp uh so you use the time machine and you get to go back and you get to meet yourself uh, a couple of days after graduating from holy cross you got that undergrad it's like fresh young you ready to take on the world you get to go and talk to that tim what kind of things would you tell yourself would you give yourself advice recommendations what would you say uh, I, so I think I would say to, uh, enjoy the journey more than I have, you know, I'm very driven and always have been, I think I've been that way since I was, you know, two years old. And, um, so I probably have, you know, I, I'm very focused on my, my family, my wife and my kids. Yeah. Uh, and I coach a ton of, you know, their sports all growing up. I was always coaching, you know, sometimes coaching three different teams in the same season and, um, and focused on, on them. Um, but I don't think I probably took as much time for myself as I, as I would have, would have liked to have. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, trying to enjoy the journey a lot more than I, than I, than I did. And, and not that I didn't enjoy it. Um, I just think I w- I've I've always been focused on growing the business and taking care of our employees and our customers and and you know doing the right things for my kids and my wife you know all all virtuous things and things I should do sure but probably you know probably could have um, taken more time for uh, for myself yeah it, it you know it's interesting I I mean so many conversations I've had with you know mountain climbers and other folks where you want to get to the top. But as soon as you get to the top, especially on something like Everest, you're mm. there for like 15 minutes and you got to turn around. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> so, it, yeah, you get to enjoy it, but for a second. And then it's going back down. Or if it's business, there's another mountain. You know, yeah. there's you know, there's always another mountain because that's the journey until you're dead. 
but you're right. If you can't enjoy the process of getting to the top, then your life's going to be 95%, you know, waiting for that fleeting moment. Yeah. 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 That was off the top of my head. You know, I hadn't thoroughly thought about that until you asked it. That was a great question, but that's probably, that's probably, you know, it's probably, it's where my mind went first. Yeah. 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 Usually, usually it goes to the thing, you know, just let it do its thing (laughs) that goes to it. Well, tell me about this coaching though, because I think we were chatting at one point. You said that you, yeah, at one point you might have been coaching three different teams and three different sports all at the same time with, with your kids. And and tell me about this this decade plus of coaching intensive that you've been doing. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just you know, I mean, part of it, frankly, originally was um, you, nobody else volunteered, and so you know you're the la- <laughs> you're the last guy standing. You know, I. I I think I know a decent amount about sports, but there's a big difference between, you know, knowing how to play and knowing how to teach someone else how to play. So um, I learned a lot. Um, I, I think I, um, you know, like, I think I, I see it now with a lot of parents, you know, your oldest, you know, you think everything's the end of the world. And then you realize, you know, but your second kid, you're probably a little more mellow and, and realize, you know, what, what's, what's really important. And, uh, and certainly by my third, uh, even more so, but, um, so I think it's been a learning experience for me. Um, you know, not, not so much learning how to coach, but I, although I did learn a lot, I learned, um, a lot from other great coaches that I was able to, um, to coach with. Uh, but I think I also learned, um, you know, what's important in life through, uh, through coaching and, um, you know, really just trying to focus on, on what's important and, um, you know, and just really being more, um, more concerned with, uh, the, um, how the kids are, are, are doing as opposed to, you know, how they're doing with their sport. Right. I think there's a distinction there. Right. I, I wonder if there's, you know, there's gotta been so many lessons learned. Um, I don't know if any come to mind around that you could, that either you've extrapolated to business or the training or just, you know, kids, they're a great example of someone who's sometimes slightly motivated, sometimes more, but then, you know, you, you can't, you can't stomp on them. You have to sort of like encourage them and, I don't know if anything comes to mind in your experience just across the different sports, you know, any things that kind of held to be true across them all. Um, yeah, I don't know about, you know, I, I guess you started to down the path of relating it to, to work. And I guess I, I, you know, certainly probably feel like I, there's a lot of things from work that I would apply to the coaching and vice versa, you know, just learning, um, more about, uh, you know, how to motivate someone or what it, you know, um, or, or, or how to, um, to get people to do things that they, they don't, you know, instinctively want to do. Um, so, you know, a lot of that has been the, I guess, the Socratic method of just, you know, of, of doing more asking questions and being, um, trying to be a bit more in, in their world. So, um, learning, learning that through, I think I've learned that through EO. I've learned that through, through experiences at work. I've learned it through experiences coaching. And I think they all, you know, they sort of, um, you know, um, I think the, the three different things have actually helped me get, get better at, at all of them. Yeah. You know, 
It's, are you going to uh, keep coaching yeah. as the kids get older and go off? Or are you going to? Uh, yeah. So, you know, that's one of the things you, you uh, I thought you were going to ask me this question, but you know what, Hey, what, what, what did I, what would I want to do? You know, I, if I, that's one thing I I've always thought about that. I, I would love to coach like a high school team or something, but um, I don't, I don't have the, uh, the credentials or, or the, uh, the experience or the capability probably to do it, but sort of mythically, that's what I, um, feel like I would like to do, but, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You got plenty of time to find out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, amazing. So where can people, if they want to reach out, connect with you professionally, they you maybe share similar stories, um, or connect with you, uh, professionally, you know, to talk with, uh, with Barrett distribution, what are some good social sites to reach out on? What are some good URLs some websites, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So, um, Really, the, our, our probably our best social media site that we focus in on is LinkedIn. So that would probably be uh, one of the better places. We do post a lot on Twitter. So we're at Barrett DC on Twitter. Um, you know, LinkedIn, I think would probably be pretty easy to find Barrett Distribution Centers. Um, yeah. Yeah, certainly can email me. Um, at, you know, it's tbarrett at barrettdistribution.com. Um, I'm a, I'm a big uh, believer in, in sharing experiences and, um, you know, I've been, I've been helped tremendously, you know, along the way by a lot of different people. And I, you know, I'm more than happy to share, you know, whatever wisdom I might have or experiences that I can, I can, uh, I can share. I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah. That really is the EO culture too. You know, just, we're just here to share and help however we can. Uh, that's yeah. part of what makes it magical. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. And as I said, I, I've been blessed to have a lot of people help me early in my career along the way and give me 100%. great insights and great advice. And so, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Pay it forward kind of thing. Yeah. Well, Tim, this has been awesome. I don't know if you look at the clock the time. It just worked by. Um, wow. Has but, it been? Wow. Okay. I didn't even yeah, realize. Yeah. yeah. Like Good. what, what a cool, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on here. Uh, share with me your, your wow factor, your wow model, the pyramid of wow. Um, and in the conversations are about cobots and process and, and family businesses and, EO and all the things I really appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate I hope you it, had Casey. fun and you know, for those listening, I hope you had fun too. And if you learned something, I encourage you to share this episode with someone else. I did. I literally have two pages of notes front and back. So <laughs> Uh, I've learned a ton. And if you have to, uh, for those listening, share this, hit share, like share, all those little buttons. And, uh, and that's thought leadership is when you get this in front of someone else. Um, and uh, man, Tim, thanks again for being on here. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks a lot, Casey. All right, everyone. This has see been ya. another exciting episode of Leadership in Action. We will see you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer -peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.